0: Hello and welcome to Millions of Screens. I'm creative producer Leo Garcia, joined via Zoom by TV awards editor Libby Hill and TV deputy editor Ben Travers. Today, we're gonna be talking about Disney Plus. It's been around for a year and we're gonna weigh in.
1: I like how it looks like I've been up for that entire year.
0: (laughs) Well, you've watched every episode of the Simpsons on Disney Plus, have you not?
1: I I mean, no, but (laughs) I have watched 300 some episodes of the Simpsons on. It's just the same ones over and over again. It is the millions and millions of little screens. Can't you shut up? I'm busy. Boy, what a great show.
0: But skipping ahead to The Clicker, our recap of the biggest news items from this past week. We're recording this. We're just one week out from Thanksgiving. And there's some Thanksgiving-adjacent news. Uh, it was reported that a Charlie Brown Thanksgiving and a Charlie Brown Christmas, which are both owned by current conglomerate apple tv plus uh will be allowed to air on pbs because i guess there was some a bit of an uproar that they would only be streaming uh on apple tv plus even though they were gonna stream it for free for various periods of time so people could still get their charlie brown fix guys why is this a good thing a bad thing are there do we have narrative notes for charlie brown thanksgiving christmas and or uh uh the Uh, great pumpkin don't get
1: me started like okay so we were jokingly eh, jokingly Uh talking about this about uh great pumpkin off air but like i have legitimate (laughs) problems with thanksgiving like what are these children doing by themselves and where are the adults and why don't these families celebrate thanksgiving and how do the children have so much access to candy um it, it's just, it's, it's a very deeply dystopian and, and, and disturbing special, um, if you start I mean, looking at it too closely.
0: Similarly, similarly in Great Pumpkin, uh, Linus is uh, out in the pumpkin patch all night.
1: No yeah. one cares. No one cares where he is. Except for his toxic sister, who finally comes and, like, drags him back to the house.
2: It's Insane. upsetting.
1: It's upsetting. And uh, people have a right to see it for free. Uh, on their televisions, I guess is the, is the takeaway here. No, I mean, I, I think a lot of this fervor, you know, and and Variety wrote about this a little bit, but there was there was uh, uh, also a lot of fervor when uh, HBO bought the bought Sesame Street. There's this idea about privatization. I think of um, children's programming, especially educational children's programming, which obviously. Peanuts is not, but um, uh, th- there is something very difficult for people to wrap their heads around, that something that they had made a tradition in their homes um, was suddenly behind lock and key and, and like a paywall. And um, for as much as people talk about how they don't like socialism, um, they really do want free access to their uh, Charles Schultz <laughs> holiday specials, uh, no matter what.
2: I completely agree with everything Libby said in regards to the need for these kind of seminal event programming that have always been available over broadcast, which has always been a free medium to continue in that regard. Uh, People have the right to relive traditions, especially when they're tied very closely to specific American holidays and Peanuts is a very uh, American comic strip character. Um, so, like, I, I was very excited to see that they're available for everybody else. I can be happy for everybody else. I just do not care whatsoever. Um, I couldn't tell you what happened in any of these specials. I watched them when I was young. Never really went back. So, uh, good talk. Good talk. Glad I'm here. I will say,
0: we're, this, is, this is giving a head to our Disney Plus conversation, but The Simpsons did confuse me about what the ending of Great Pumpkin is because the Simpsons parody of Great Pumpkin (laughs) has the Great Pumpkin show up and then devour, (laughs) uh, start to devour the children uh, because they're carving pumpkins. And I was like, does the Great Pumpkin actually show up? Guess what? The Great Pumpkin doesn't show up. Skipping ahead to the next item on the clicker. Uh, It was announced just yesterday. Is it the weird baby
1: in your background?
0: Yeah. The next item is uh, Laser Baby from the boys. Um, The uh, next item is the news that yesterday, Conan O'Brien will be That's ending right. his TBS show and heading to HBO Max for a weekly variety show. Uh, ben, you said you had a multitude of thoughts on this. Lay it on us. I mean,
2: <laughs> yeah, first of all, I just I just want to say that there is a, as somebody who's not even a huge late night TV watcher, I, I definitely watch, them via the clips more than anything else and even that is fairly few and far between um it does feel extremely strange to live in a world where conan won't be kind of a nightly presence um or even a um just a, like a presence on your tv as, as opposed to streaming even though that's kind of how i've adapted to it um but to me like the the bigger the bigger, broader focus of this is kind of how the deal broke down in that when I first got the press release about it, I saw the headline being like, Conan O'Brien extends his relationship with Warner Media, And to me, I was just like, okay, so they renewed the show. Like, it's just going to keep going for a while longer. And it was only like hours later when my wife uh, called it out to say, to say, hold on, Conan's going to HBO Max. And I was like, oh, I have no idea what this is about. So I had to reread it. And, and yeah, like, so Conan's show is going to end on TBS in June, 2021. He's going to do a weekly variety show on HBO max after that, but also the Conan without borders specials that have, you know, been uh, extremely well received. I certainly love the last one where Sam Richardson uh, went with him to Ghana. Um, Like they, 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 those are going to continue on TBS proper. So like the relationship of this deal filters down through all of Warner media's properties where they're still keeping TBS as a cable channel, somewhat happy by giving them new Conan content, which they clearly want for their, I don't know what their brand is now. very Is it still very funny or it's still comedy leaning at least? I think so. I, I don't remember. Um, but they're still trying to keep TBS somewhat happy. And at the same time, they're putting their focus on HBO Max on streaming and taking their, one of their biggest assets in Conan O'Brien and putting him first and foremost on that streaming service. Um, that's just the way of the future. That's also how a lot of things are going to continue to break down as these massive conglomerates kind of divvy up and reshake everything. Viacom CBS is currently, you know, blowing up Comedy Central and, and all of their, uh, you know, network partners to try to figure out a new way to, to focus on their own streaming platform, Paramount Plus or whatever the hell it's called. Um, but it's, it's, it's just, at least in this instance, to me, it feels like, a good fit. It doesn't feel like they're retrofitting Conan into the wrong space. He's always somebody who's tried to kind of bring his persona to as many different platforms as, in as many different ways as possible. Whether it's you know through the monologue and the interviews and the bits on the late night show, uh, or if it's you know launching that podcast, which apparently. <laughs> revolutionized podcasts if we remember uh, an old cover story from last year that had some interesting claims in it uh, but it was still a very invented. Yeah, invented invented might have been the word which is even worse um, but it's still very very successful it's a very very good show um, and his his personality just shines through on that uh, Leo mentioned going to the kind of stand up tours that he sets up through his his uh, Conan Brand. I don't even remember what, what's it called. Team Coco. Team Coco. That's right. Um, like the and they they've done sets like all over the country and tried to highlight different performers and Conan will show up every once in a while and do intros or, or host it or, or things like that. Um, but but yeah, so like him doing a weekly variety show on some level makes sense. It's it's him adapting. It's him trying to you know uh, bring what he wants to do to a new medium in a new creative way and as somebody who's always enjoyed even just the very basic parts of Conan where he's just kind of interviewing someone or talking to like co-hosts or, or Andy Richter or anybody who's kind of just along with him. Um, you know, I'll, I'll be very excited to see what it looks like. So, um, again, it's, it's going to be a weird world and everything's changing. Uh, I guess we should get used to it, but I think it'll be okay.
1: I mean, as, as someone who has not watched Conan uh, on TV nightly for years, uh, it's not as weird as you'd think. And uh, I think you'll adapt pretty quickly to it. Well, guys, last week we talked about Apple TV
0: Plus uh, after one year. Our recommendation was to subscribe for one month <laughs> of Apple TV Plus. <laughs> And watch everything you need to watch, and then cancel your subscription. That's where they're at after a year. And we figured that we'd do the next streaming entity, which debuted just two weeks after Apple TV Plus did, uh, November twelfth of twenty nineteen, Disney Plus. And I think we'll take the same tact and same format. I tried to copy what Ben did last week and failed miserably.
2: No, you did but, a great job.
1: No, it was but wonderful.
0: Let's start with what are the hits for disney plus obviously libby it was nominated for 19 emmys
1: and won a fair amount of those
0: won eight uh, emmys all for
1: baby yoda
0: <laughs> but the the hits i had written down is i had the mandalorian which obviously got most most if not all, i got all of those emmy wins uh and then i was like forky question mark hamilton question mark me too oh okay the Clone Wars? Yeah. What are what are the hits here?
2: I don't give them credit for the Clone Wars, but yeah,
1: Clone Wars was a pre existing property. Like HB uh, Disney Plus doesn't get credit for Clone Wars, I don't
2: think. Okay. Forky yeah. um, is an interesting question because, like Libby, as you said, it won the Emmy, so that's a success in and of itself. I love Forky, right. so I guess that's a success. But it's also not one where I came back to it a bunch of times. I watched a few of them when it first hit and I was like, Oh, this is really nice, but there's no motivating factor to keep returning, even though it's good. So to me, Forky is kind of like, it's a nice, it's nice that it's there. So if you're really scrolling and you need new content, you can do that for two or three minutes, but it's not a driving factor for the success of the thing. To me, the only success that the Disney plus has is the Mandalorian. Like they have other things that have been, have gotten people talking about the service, which we'll get into. But I think in terms of like, Obviously, their original content is very low uh, compared to anything, really. Um, but The Mandalorian is such a big hit that it almost distracts from the fact that their output otherwise has been middling to non-existent. So.
0: Well, let's, well, then let's talk about the misses. I think uh, I think that the, the big misses are just the fact that there's not a ton there. Uh, I was even struggling to come up like, well, what's a miss? Encore? The right stuff? Yeah. And I ended up writing uh, that like pandemic pa- pandemic pushed all their MCU shows to 2021.
1: High school like, musical, that's the, biggest miss. the show,
2: the, the musical, the
1: High series, musical,
2: <laughs> the musical, the series. I don't
1: know.
2: Which our executive editor Ann Donahue, liked quite a bit, uh, but I also feel like even though they're making a holiday special this year that'll debut in December, I don't feel like that's been a huge boon either. So like the the I think you're hitting the gist of it leo when you say like their biggest miss is just the pandemic kind of screwing over everything that they were trying to line up so like they would have had two mcu shows out by now um preceding the return of the mandalorian uh they would have had you know other stuff hopefully further along in the pipeline than it is um and and that would be very helpful to them because as we've seen with the subscriber growth the main attraction has to be the library. Like the main attraction is just that people need this library; they want to have it at their fingertips at all times, and they're willing to pay the relatively low subscription price to do that. Um, so, like the, the misses, they don't feel as much like misses because it doesn't matter that we're. Not, it almost doesn't matter that we're not talking about them. It does matter because they're spending enough money on them where we should be talking about them, and Disney has. Uh, you know, such a massive marketing department and such a huge hold from it's even just its affiliates. Like if it, if it just shows ads on ESPN and ABC, that's going to get, you know, a bunch of people to be aware of whatever it's doing. So that we should be more aware of it. Um, I will say that, you know, some of the stuff that I've labeled as misses, including the high school musical, the musical, the series, the series, the musical high school, the series um, they're they're not typically shows that we pay attention to as adults without children uh and i mean that both as like this group right here but also as an industry we don't pay a ton of attention to like the ratings of 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 like children shows or family shows unless they're for some reason elevated to a to a level that like oh we do have to you know kind of clock that one because it's it's getting primetime placement or something um, so, like, maybe they're working. Maybe they're being watched. Again, this is a streamer. We don't know the details of it. Um, but from the outside looking in, they do feel like stuff that's not moving the needle in terms of like, oh, that's another reason to get Disney Plus. It's just that we have it. We have. We know we we're, we we know why we have it, and we're just going to keep it because we can't do anything else. The Disney Vault is on lockdown. So,
0: yeah. If I had a, if I had a child aged two to fourteen this would be a utility to me. Be like, boom, we have this thing. Uh, I did write, my next bullet point was, best library this side of HBO Max. Am I right?
2: (laughs) Um, I think technically, well, yeah, you're right. Um, I was going to say that I think Amazon Prime has the largest library in terms of just sheer hours of content but they're not outright owned by Amazon. So if we're looking at stuff that belongs to them, then yeah, HBO yeah. Max is the, the number two. Um, and yeah, that's, that's the name of the game. And as we're about to get into, that's also what they're going to lean on to keep people subscribing and to drive future subscriber growth. Obviously with the MCU shows that they're about to release uh, as well as some of the, the IP TV spinoff things that they're doing, They're really leaning into the fact that even if you maybe aren't super interested in like the Sandlot, the series, being reminded that the Sandlot is available through Disney Plus or whatever that is, is also valuable. So it's just like they're doubling down on the idea that like we're going to highlight aspects of this that that get people excited because look at all the stuff, like look at the things we have that you love that you have to keep subscribing for.
1: That's fucking ingenious.
2: Wait, are you like, telling me they have True Lies? About
1: that.
2: True Lies is on Disney Plus? I do not understand the True Lies thing. And that is, honestly, that news is so so old that I don't even believe that it's still happening. But I could be wrong. I copied Mick that G off of a Wikipedia. <laughs> Mick, Mick G was, had a pitch, and they liked it at some points. So who knows? But, um, yeah, the, the not to skip too far ahead, but The Mighty Ducks, as a TV show... Turner and Hooch as a TV show, Chippendale as a TV show. Like all of these are are extensions of the brand. These are all Willow. You know, <laughs> Willow. Warwick <laughs> Davis is on board. I know who that is, and I am excited. Um, He's Willow.
0: He's the titular Willow. He's not dead. He played. He played. Um, he played the the Ewok. You had me, and then you lost me. Um, Played w- Wicket, Wicket the Ewok. He goes num-num? I, I...
1: <laughs> oh, he's the one. Fucking
0: <laughs> Ewoks. Okay. Well, okay. So Ben kind of got a- got ahead of. Do we want to go into what's forthcoming, or do we want to jump? Libby, do you want to talk about like the fact that Disney Plus was an awards player in their first year, which I don't think anyone foresaw. I think we all thought we all thought last year like Apple TV needs awards. It's- because it, it wants to be this prestige TV player. Disney Plus awards is like an afterthought. And the fact that they had eight Emmy wins, probably well, shocking. <laughs> I yeah. mean, the fact that the Mandalorian was nominated for best drama at the Emmys.
1: And we were very concerned it might win that last week. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they really built. They really built up the drama there.
2: Um, I'm still concerned it could win next time around, especially yeah, with the dearth of content. So,
1: yeah, the our, the entire idea heading into um, the sort of Apple TV Plus Disney Plus release thing was that Apple TV Plus was going to try and be the prestige player. They were going to come in and try and be like the HBO of the streaming world, and Disney Plus would come in as the Disney Corporation version of the streaming world, which by which I mean populism. Um, that doesn't always have the best track record at the Emmys, but The Mandalorian came out in the year after Game of Thrones won, and, and or, or Game of Thrones ended, um, which means there was a huge vacuum for something to move in and sort of sweep up all those technical accomplishments. And that's sort of what The Mandalorian did. Um, it didn't get any above-the-line nominations outside of drama series, I believe. Um, so all of its awards, save one, were were uh, were held during the Creative Arts Emmys, which was held over five nights. Anyway, um... Yeah, like uh, I, I kind of wish we'd had the better foresight as to how that would be received by the academy. Um, evidently, the people in the know seemed very impressed by the technical accomplishments of the Mandalorian. Um, but it's strange because we definitely didn't think we were going to be here, and and I don't necessarily think that emmy success legitimized disney plus any more than it had before it's just the cherry on top um no one can really come for them because not only are they popular uh they're also emmy award winners multiple times over um there's really no ground for anyone to come in and say that they weren't the winner in their first year of existence. There's, there's just no argument to be made.
2: Well, it's also worth noting Libby that as you talked about with game of thrones a year prior, it's almost as though that a a lot of what is successful at the Emmys these days is what's popular. So like the idea that Disney plus just went after the popularity contest and won so decisively that that also helped them at the Emmys seemed inevitable in, in hindsight. So, um,
0: uh is it worth asking and i just ported these over from yesterday's or from last week's but like it's interesting the answers for all these are sort of are different obviously in the apple tv plus but like is eight wins good enough it's way more than they probably expected uh are they officially awards player is it just as long as the mandalorian is around is there any other show that we think could wandavision pop up it's just it's strange to me because On so many levels, The Mandalorian feels like an aberration because normally people dismiss that stuff as children's television. And it's weird to me that that got elevated and I don't think any of the MCU shows are going to get that same treatment.
1: The treatment of Star Wars as legitimate social commentary slash art has, I think, a longer history than us regarding comic books, specifically comic book movies, as having... um, artistic merit. Uh, I'm really glad Ben has muted himself. That means he can't jump in as to the actual artistic merit of comic books and comic book films. I will turn your camera off. I swear to God. Um, I So I, I, I find it difficult too. like Elizabeth Olsen, I think is one of the greatest actresses of her generation, but it doesn't matter how good she is. WandaVision, is probably not getting nominated unless again, this is a place where its technical aspects are outstanding. Um, or Catherine Han is undeniable because she is the perfect person. Yeah, Leo, Mandalorian was a little bit of a game changer, but at the same time, it took a long time for Game, Thru- game of Thrones to really truly break through at the Emmys. Uh, I was just writing about this today. It didn't win drama series until season five. Um, they had to get over that mental hump of treating, like Ben said, a fantasy series as legitimate art. Ben would also argue they were wrong to do that. But regardless, um, we could very well be like six years out of seeing an MCU show being a legitimate contender at the Emmys. Um based on things beyond its technical merits. But as for next year, I have no idea.
2: With the MCU shows, obviously, again, as you very clearly and, and well outlined, there's a, there's a separation between treating Star Wars legitimately and treating the MCU legitimately. But with people like Elizabeth Olsen and Katherine Hahn, front and center, no barriers to hide You know the, the, the ability of their performances, would that perhaps help break down the barrier further? Like, could that be the thing where it's like, listen, Mandalorian couldn't do that, but it, this show and these shows can get the technical awards as well as the performance awards and then really become a force at the Emmys, much like again, Game of
1: Thrones. I think that's, I think that's definitely possible. I mean, th- people like Anthony Mackey, like, these great actors, like people are used to seeing them on a big screen, suddenly they're seeing them on a small screen and they seem kind of larger than life. You see something similar happening with Queen's Gambit and Anya Taylor-Joy, she has such a big presence, um, it just elevates, it juices everything. So I think you you could see something like that happening with those MCU characters. Um, but I think what's interesting to me is how bringing those MC- porting those MCU characters directly into shows on Disney Plus is further breaking down that barrier between film and TV, in which uh, like like it's becoming so porous that it, our jobs just get increasingly complicated. So it's it's we're in for an interesting few years and and I'm glad for it because I love shake up at the Emmys um, but also things could get fucked I, let's be real
0: I'm disappointed that WandaVision's the first show coming out because I feel if there was a show that might have the shot to sort of break through as insane as the trailers kind of make this thing look and there is a way maybe for this thing to be like a genre hopping insane show that could garner critical acclaim um more so than like falcon and winter soldier or you know miss marvel or moon knight which are probably just gonna be like more elevated versions of the netflix marvel series um
1: right
0: it's just the idea
1: i mean sorry go ahead
0: i'll just say like if it if it weren't first maybe it'd have a better shot of like getting over but maybe being first is okay i don't know
1: no, I—I I mean, I think your abs- i think your impulse is absolutely right. I think about Netflix's Marvel shows, and it took them a little while to figure out how those universes was going to work, or were going to work with varying degrees of success. Um, I also wish Wanda v- Vision was further down for the same but different reasons. I know that Elizabeth Olsen is coming right off of a show that uh, dealt very bald basically with grief, um, which is something that I really think that character in WandaVision is going to continue doing, um, albeit through very different <laughs> ways. Um, I know she can handle that material, and I know she brings a lot of nuance to that. If that marries that with technically astounding things, and obviously Catherine Hahn, um, It does feel like something that could, um, I don't know, rise above. At the same time, we've seen shows like that before, kind of, that were on the verge of breaking through, I think. Um, It's controversial to say if Orphan Black was actually in that place or if that was built wholly off of the strength of Tatiana Maslany's performance. Um, I could probably argue it either way, but it's hard. It's hard for a genre show specifically to make itself mainstream, uh, uh, appeal to popular uh, audiences while also appealing to critics and awards bodies. Awards bodies, the last thing they want to do is look stupid. They don't want to, they don't love going out on limbs, Uh, They really want to award shows that they are confident in.
0: For context, just looking it up, uh, those Marvel Netflix shows, Daredevil was nominated for four Emmys. They were all uh, creative arts Emmys. It didn't win. Jessica Jones won one of its three Emmy nominations for Outstanding Main Title Theme Music. And Luke Cage was one for one at the Emmys. Uh, for outstanding stunt coordination.
1: That's weird to me. I think Jessica Jones was the best of those. Um, yeah, I don't think Netflix knew how to handle that in a way that Disney will.
0: Well, let's talk about subscribers, because part of the issue with part of the issue with Apple TV Plus is the fact that uh, only half of its current subscriber base of 10 million was paying inactive active subscribers. Meanwhile, Disney Plus, as of October 3rd, has 73.7 million subscribers, which surpasses its five-year goal after only 11 months. Uh, what is the future hold for Disney Plus? Libby, you wrote the question, what is success to an all-powerful monolith? But I think that's kind of... How, how do you measure success <laughs> moving forward?
1: I don't know. Especially for Disney Especially for Disney Plus, which is probably the only thing going well for Disney at this juncture, just because of the pandemic, um, basically anything they do at, at 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 this juncture is great. But I honestly don't know the answer to that. Um, look at something like Walmart. Like, what is success to Walmart? Like, you always want to grow. You always want to make more money, but eventually. I mean, user bases have to tap out at some point, right? Like, at some point, there's a limit to how many subscribers you can have, and I'm not sure what that limit is—seven billion six or seven billion. <laughs> um, but I, I, they're well on their way, I guess.
2: Well, I think I think there's a few things that um, that are worth noting in terms of. of- that very question of, of kind of how it can either be more successful than it already is or maintain that level of success going forward. Um, a few of them are like uh, in Joe Spadalian's great vulture newsletter, he did kind of a, a Disney plus one year recap where he, he talked to a few people and established that um, like 25% of their subscriber base is coming out of Asia which is coming from a deal that they made where essentially they're only paying about a dollar a month instead of the 699 fee that Americans are paying. So a quarter of that is, is not quite raking in the same amount of money as you would think if you just look at, wow, 73 million times $7 a month. And that's the profit they're making. It's not quite that. So they need to, they need to secure the subscribers that they have. They need to maintain them and keep them happy so that they'll keep paying as the price goes up. Um, to that end, uh, I feel like, and this, this literally just happened as we were recording, the idea that Wonder Woman 1984 is going to premiere on HBO Max and in theaters simultaneously really points to a big question mark as to how Disney Plus uses its model moving forward. Um, according to their, uh, their own internal metrics, the Mulan release was a successful trial for them. It was a successful experiment in which they released that on Disney plus, but charged an additional fee of $30 to watch it early. Um, If the coronavirus continues to wreak havoc on our theatrical exhibition, then I would have to think that in order to maintain interest, uh, not only in the MCU and to keep those fans happy, they may have to start experimenting with something similar. And if they do release something like black widow, uh, on Disney Plus and in theater simultaneously, that will drive people to the service, and that will drive new people to the service, uh, at least for you know the month it's out. And and um, the idea that their one year free trials, their one year you know subscription base is ending in November, ending right now. Um, you know they'll need new content to kind of keep them going. That's why the Mandalorian was timed when it was timed. That's why we're getting, you know, WandaVision right after it in order to hopefully keep people tied to it. But they're going to need to keep feeding the beast, and movies might be a way in which they do that. Um, But this leads us to the bigger question that Libby alluded to, in that Disney Plus is the one really successful thing going for Disney as an organization overall. Their theme parks are, God knows what's happening there. Their uh, theatrical exhibition is non-existent. Uh, They're built around studio, tentpole, big deal movies and and investing large sums of money in those in order to reap large sums of money worldwide. Um, How they expand Disney Plus and integrate it with that business model in order to achieve and boost the rest of what's going on is the biggest question facing them going forward because just keeping what they have and getting them to pay $6.99 a month Yes, that's a success. Yes, that's further than what they ever expected, you know, a year ago at this time. Um, it's better than any of the estimates that anybody projected. But it's also the question of, is that good enough? Like, is it good enough for Disney? Like, how do they really maximize this so that they can, you know, one, reach the level of subscription that, you know, say Netflix has or that Amazon Prime has? And then two, how do they monetize that in a way that... Um, that doesn't alienate a core that's very happy to pay 699 for you know the library but not the originals and and you know how do they uh but how do they you know raise that price so that they can be making more from each person who is very committed to disney plus um and again like they're 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 bundling things with ESPN and Hulu. They're they're shifting programs between their networks. I feel like we'll see more kind of eventizing of, of that nature uh, going forward to make sure that eyeballs are being drawn back to the thing that's profitable toward them while also using the thing that's profitable toward them to help sustain things that may be struggling. Um, but, yeah, i i I don't have concrete answers. I don't know if anybody does at this point. But I do think that they'll have to raise – rates eventually and they have to keep growing at, in and to do that they'll need original content at some point more than just the mandalorian
0: so you don't want to watch an untitled national treasure series <laughs> he
1: didn't say no. that
2: or an untitled <laughs> kingdom Hearts series i definitely don't want to watch that i will watch the national treasure series if nick cage is in it but otherwise question mark um, what about Turner and also, Hooch? No, don't care. They should get Nick Cage. If if Nick Cage doesn't pivot to TV when he's doing everything else in the world, then Disney failed that negotiation. Like they did something wrong.
0: Millions of screens is a production of the Penske Media Corporation. IndieWire. Our theme music features excerpts of the classic YouTube video Bjork talking about her TV and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory. Our Editor-in-Chief is Dana Harris-Brightson, our publisher is James Israel, and our Executive Editor is Ann Donahue. Our favorite Charlie Brown specials are Be My Valentine, Charlie Brown, A Charlie Brown Christmas, and Play It Again, Charlie Brown. Our Millions of Screens Charlie Brown endorsement is Bloom County. Just read Bloom County. You can find us on Twitter, at a million screens, at Midwest Fit and at Ben T. Travers. And me, Leo Adrian Garcia. I totally forgot myself. Uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play. So leave a review and let us know what you think. We need to start reading reviews on this show and we can't do it without your reviews. This is Ben, Libby and Leo. Remind you as always that you shouldn't let poets lie to you. You shouldn't let
1: poets
0: lie to you. Ain't nothing wrong with a
1: couple of cold brews and a cool podcast. <laughs>